Oh, yeah, I gotta be unmuted. Uh-huh. All right. It definitely might be mine. Let's 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 hear you say I have a blue shirt on with a green shirt. <laughs> okay, I have a blue shirt with a green shirt on with a green screen. Okay, maybe not. Let's just push record and if it does it, then I'm gonna burn the computer down. <laughs> or have an IT guy help me. Yeah. Honey, this media com internet is driving me nuts. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah, oh, I am ready. Crap, it's recording right now. So let me pause it and restart so I can make sure I edit it. Hey everyone, welcome back to Celebrate the Struggle. I am your host, Jennifer Hobbs, where I really want to get people's stories out there and get uh, comfortable with the uncomfortable and talk about the struggles and kind of where you're at now and how you persevered through life. So I have the pleasure and honor of joining a fellow veteran, Daniel Faust. He is the director of IT at Legarty Media. Hi, Daniel. Hey, how you doing? Very well. So I gave the formal introduction there, but let's hear from you. Who who are you? Where are you from? And tell us a little bit how you got there. Let's see. Uh, Dover, Delaware right now. Daniel Faust is a name. Been a military slash veteran for 21 years. Um, doing a lunch break podcast right now with you. Mm -hmm. How did I get to Delaware? Well, I was almost going homeless a few years ago, so I had to reboot. So uh, it has been a struggle, but we're slowly getting out there and getting out of the struggle. So that's me in a nutshell with four kids, a beautiful wife of almost 15 years and in a place that no one knows about, Dover, Delaware. <laughs> right. <laughs> I know about it because I remembered my states and capitals, but thank you for your service. 21 years. That is impressive. And um, you said, you know, at home, you became homeless and then you um, had to reboot what what did rebooting look like for you? What did you do to kind of reboot and what helped you? Well, we almost went homeless four times between 2012 to 2019. So I had to really go over and learn to join the corporate world briefly to stabilize and reboot. Entrepreneurship has to be an overflow. That was another thing about rebooting. And then to go over and learn what I really wanted to go over and do, but have to do the things I have to do in between. So right now, days I'm doing education and training, nights I'm going over and growing Legrity Media. So that's what I'd be going over and doing. So those are at least some of the things I had to go over and learn. And I really needed to learn how to deal with myself, my mental junk, my emotional, social, and spiritual, which is your mess. If mm -hmm. Because if you don't deal with your mess, it doesn't matter where you're at in the rest. So I would say those are the things about going over rebooting, reviving, and actually re-aggravating re my life. Yeah, you make a good point. Like until you can acknowledge it yourself, like you could have all these tools and supports in place and a great support system. But if you're not in the place where you acknowledge that you need to reboot, then clearly it's not going to happen. So you mentioning that you almost went homeless four times and then you were talking about... Um, it was leading me to believe was it because you were trying to find your way in entrepreneurship like what, what was it that um was getting you well in addition to like 
you know, the mental stress, like what was it that was getting you to be almost homeless four times? I wish I could say it was one particular thing, but I guess for each time, the first time was pursuing entrepreneurship when it wasn't supposed to be. I didn't have the stage. I didn't have the connections and everything else, but I really wanted to pursue my first original business perspectives and reflections. And then I didn't, I just pursued that until about six to eight weeks prior to running out of cash. And then when you try to aggressively apply for jobs, that doesn't happen quickly. Even in 2012, now you add 2021, it could be really fast or really slow, depending on what job front you go into. So that was the first time. The second time uh, was actually just jobs just went away. I had gainful employment and then just went away. The third time, um, specifically, if I remember correctly, yeah, both seasons, just jobs just went away because they, they project to be a long time and then they weren't a long time. The, actually, the second time specifically, I remember my coworker shot 12 people. And then that was the DC Naval Yard shooting and then took a while to find work after they laid us all off. So, Holy jeez. Yeah. So each of those seasons going over and seeing that because the first time was, yeah, my entrepreneurship and it just didn't work out. And then we moved to Washington and it was just a slow death because if you don't have certain skills, like sometimes the military can give you great skills for the military, but not great skills for the civilian world. And at that time, all I had was an A plus certification, which is not much in the sense of the IT world. So the pay is low. So I would grab contracts because contracts paid higher than the actual jobs, but they wouldn't go over and last. So it's like, oh, we ran out of work or that coworker shooting 12 people, or you try to go over and start pivoting. Like I started pivoting towards training and education, which I still do. That's what the whole podcast and digital TV show and all these things I go over and do, but they would go over and run out of revenue. I remember the third time it was jobs going away plus an investment going away. Like it was a veteran that really was going to invest into me. And then they, that went away and then the contracts went away and then everything just started to crumble beyond my feet. So I really had to jump into this government world in 2019 to really quote unquote stabilize myself and allow my entrepreneurship to be an overflow before I go out. So typically it was like, all right, I'm doing this to get here, but I need to just allow this to be the steady eddy and then everything to overflow. So if I had to redo it again, I probably would have did my business part-time as a side hustle and just would have went to work. Not saying that you can't go take the bite, but if you're gonna go take the bite and the leap, make sure you have a good amount of revenue to go and take that bite and leap. I had three to six months of revenue I reckon if I had to do it now, I would go over and do at least a year to two years of revenue. And then at the halfway point, if you're not successful on the full time, then start going over and filling that gap with part time and full time work. Mm -hmm. How is um, how is the overflow now? Like, how is your business going now? The business right now uh, brings in about. 12.5% of what I need on regular expenditures. Um, we are doing a massive marketing campaign. So definitely if people want to get into digital television, the time is now. You'll see a uh, really good sale. I can't go into the details yet until it's officially launched, but in the next 
up and coming days will be launched. So probably by the time this podcast airs, you can go Google Legrity Media and go find a way to get yourself on digital television. So, and this is not just me. That's another great thing about entrepreneurship that if you can do it with more people, you're going to have more success. When I was a solopreneur, that's the reason why it took so much longer. So I project based on uh, marketing and revenue projections in 90 to 120 days, I'll be at overflow. And that's when I can go over and go. So the director of IT is a part-time position for me right now. It'll projectively go to full-time in 90 to 180 days. Nice, nice. So you've clearly made it through years and years of perseverance and through the struggles that you've clearly gone through, which you had mentioned um, when I tried to, when we reached out and touched base about like what your story is. So back it up a little bit for our listeners and tell us a little bit about um, where you got to the point of joining the military and just a little bit about before that and the trials and tribulations that you've been through that now make your testimony. Tell us, tell us more about that. Yeah. So we're going to go way back. I'm almost 40 in a couple of days. So we're going to go way back. So happy early birthday. Thank you. Um, So, so 40 years ago I was born and it was easy life the first like five to seven years, but between eight to 15 is when I went through like three specific trials. I, my parents got divorced in that time frame. My brother died within 18 months of that divorce. And then I didn't come to this realization until in my thirties, but I was getting sexually molested uh, between eight to 15. When you don't have that cognitive understanding of things you go through trials and then you don't realize that it took until I was about in my early 30s teaching on sexual assault in the military to realize I was one of those people that got sexually molested so uh, so those three things catapulted me to basically become an agnostic Wiccan at the time so after the third thing after my brother's death I was like f you to Jesus and everything else and I really wasn't even a Christian in the first place so I pursued the Wiccan slash selfish self about until military time frame. But even the military was a selfish decision. It's like I had training in electronics technology at the time, but the job market wasn't there at that time. They wanted more experienced people. I kept getting refused for interviews or different logistical issues. So when the recruiter called me and said, hey, uh, I heard you want to go in the Air Force. I'm like, no, not really. He's like, well, I got this girl in your class that's uh, wanting to come see me. Could you give her a ride? And I had a crush on her since ninth grade. So I'm like, it's prime time to tell her. (laughs) Not saying it was a righteous reason at all, but it was all about me at the time. So I drove her over to the recruiter. I told her about my crush and wanted to go and date her. She told me she had a boyfriend. So my heart gets crushed literally in the car and I'm still (laughs) driving to the recruiter. So I'm like, but I keep my commitment. So we drove to the recruiter. She went over and started seeing what he was talking about. You know, that video we all watched, that basic training video. Everybody was like, crap. And I initially was that way, but she said, it's like, what if I go over and leave my boyfriend? Will I go over and keep my relationship? Will I keep, if I want to buy and get married? And God gave me this wisdom in this conversation. It wasn't me because I didn't even have an inkling of God at the time or any emotional maturity. But I said, if he truly loves you, he's going to stick with you no matter the consequence, no matter the circumstance. So 
I go in the military because free food plus a job and education. <laughs> and, and that day, else. that day, did you sign up? I didn't sign up that day. I went to the recruiter a few more times. So, uh, but I did sign up as of October. Uh, well, I, I sworn in, I think a couple months prior, you get that debt program for like three, four months. Yeah. You, and, and, the, and the debt program was really easy back in the day. They call you, are you still okay? I'm okay. All right, talk to you next month. <laughs> now, now they have a whole entire program that basically keeps you fit and a regime and all that jazz. Yes. Meet on weekends. Yeah. But I went oh, in like October ROTC. Yeah, yeah, it's changed a lot now that I'm a. Uh, connect to your Wi-Fi network. You can wow, Alexa really wants to really jump in. Yeah, she does. Ah, uh, the modern world of the digital domain. So yeah, in 2000, October 3rd of 2000, I went into the service, and uh, that was uh, six weeks of hell for me. I almost left in the fourth week. Some guy basically convinced me to stay. I wish I could remember his name because my service is only because he convinced me to stay. Um, they used to call me Reverend back when I was in basic training because everything was the fear of God coming in me. So that was the only thing that saved me was like reading that. And I read it to the whole entire bay. I don't know why they asked me to do that now, reflecting back. But you read, was, you read what? I read the Bible to them every night. Like I was the person Shut going through up. the bay. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know. From I Wiccan to reading the Bible at basic, wow. Yeah, it was a crazy transformation. Um, and, it, and I wasn't a Christian at the time either. I was just, it was just one of those things that went over and happened. So graduated basic training and then got to tech school. And uh, I, I failed a couple of tech schools. And then I finally became like an informational manager. So to the army people and to the Navy people, I would be an admin troop pretty much or uh, personnel, whatever you want to call it, HR. There's so many different terms. So we'll just try to clarify as much as possible. So, so tech school, AIT, whatever you want to call it, was about 10 months, then went over and went back to my first base. And that was in South Carolina. I'm like, man, got thrown into the sticks. I originally was supposed to go to England. I was supposed to be aircraft maintenance. I was supposed because that was my electronics background. But I fell out of their version of electronics. They want you to go over and basically swap tronics and basically know how to troubleshoot to the technical order and i'm like i failed out of that so got to shaw i'm an admin troop and uh i basically had a love for people and but i didn't have a love for faith or jesus at all so i went to churches and places to go over and connect to people so i was going to three bible studies and serving in three ministries didn't even have a lick of faith on me really? <laughs> just goes wow. just goes to show you that you know if you're you're mm -hmm. don't let people serve no matter what so it was a very interesting time until about 2002 um i basically was an atheist slash wiccan uh but yet going to more church than most people that go to church in america <laughs> right it was, so, it was so funny to me so <laughs> i find uh, it pretty it, humorous too <laughs> yeah yeah, it's interesting. So this, this guy invited me to a Bible study again. He was like, oh, yeah, I'm a master chef and we're going to have lots of people over and we're going to have fun after. I'm like, food, friends and fun. Those are the three F's that I want. So <laughs> I, went, I went to that place. And then uh, after a while, he asked me to get baptized. I had no idea what baptism was. And the three days before that happened, he basically told me how much I sucked and how much I needed Jesus. I sat there for three hours as he was ripping my soul. Um, I don't know why I stayed there to this day. I told him, I said, I don't know reason why I stayed. 
And then long story short, I get in the car and I get my cojones back. I'm like, I'm going to skip your little baptism. I'm not going to church anymore. You don't really tell me what to do because that's what we do in cars. We get really strong in our cars. And then the second day after that whole rip fest, I got convicted and realized how much I sucked and how much I needed Jesus. How am I supposed to serve my military veterans first responders if I don't go over and know how to serve in general and I'm doing it on selfish motives? So that day in February, I think it was February 28th of 2002, I have to look back at the calendar and I'm roughly referencing that's when I basically committed my life to Jesus and now serving in the military, but doing it in the way that to love on people. So I, that happened, things got better. The struggle wasn't as harsh in that particular regard. And then I went to Germany. That was a real cool part. I changed jobs. I became a postal troop. Did that for about two years, found a team of people to go over and grow me in my faith and grow me in my leadership skills for those two years. And then I went to Korea. I really wanted to go take the mission. So I went to Korea. I volunteered for Korea. Nobody usually volunteers for Korea. I volunteered for Korea. I didn't volunteer for the next assignment or the remote opportunity. I wanted to go to the remote opportunity to minister and connect with those people that were really in the struggle. So I did that for about a year. I put myself in a struggle because I told myself I don't need to date in that season because I was the person that took these messages of theological importance and took it to the extreme. So this guy says I shouldn't date, so I don't date. So put myself in a world of uh, emotional and uh, uh, relational hurt in the sense of keep going through that struggle. I almost walked, I walked into a full blown out date with a girl in Korea and justified it. We were just hanging out with friends. And then I had another dude tell me, he's like, you're about to go into a room with a hot girl and you're a decent looking guy and you go into a dark room to watch a movie in your private room. And I was like, whoa, red flag, red flag. <laughs> I told her, I told her, I said, you're hot. I'm decent looking. It's a movie. Things can happen. You need to get out now. Go. <laughs> <laughs> Run. <laughs> it, it, it protected me from my marriage. I'm, I'm glad that guy that day that he went over and told me that. Um, so I uh, then got to Washington. So was supposed to go to Iceland. That got canceled. Went to Washington for four years. And that's where I met my beautiful wife. And uh, we had four kids in four years. Whoa. Yeah, Champions. We had four, yeah. Four kids <gasps> in four years. God bless but, your wife. But we weren't, we weren't mature at the time. I, all that brokenness I told you about, I only dealt with it in bits and pieces. So like here and there, dealt with this, dealt with that, never dealt with the anger issues, never dealt with the depressive issues. I didn't have like clinical depression, but I was always like the angry, depressed monkey. At least that's what most people called me. <laughs> <laughs> I was very passionate about things, but like, you know, but I really wasn't going over and having transformation. I didn't celebrate the struggle. I just basically blocked the struggle out. Mm -hmm. I denied the struggle and then just only dealt with it. Like my brother's death, I dealt with a little bit when I was in South Carolina, but not truly. So those first seven years, I almost destroyed my wife and destroyed my marriage. And I was called the ranting dad. Mm -hmm. That was my typical name for my kids. I would come in and just allow the boardroom life to go totally go over and to manipulate me. And then I'd bring that poison home into the living room and the bedroom. And I didn't realize that my past bedroom and living room operations as a kid was pouring into now my current bedroom and living room. And a lot of times we don't realize that as adults, that our formative background, if we don't work through that stuff, we are emotionally stunted and we're only emotionally mature of whatever that is. So I was, again, between a 12 to 15 year old teenager in a 25 to 35 year old body. Mm-hmm. 
So I was. So I responded and reacted and, and thought and felt like a teenager. Um, so it was at the seven year point that I really started working through my mess because I almost walked into a divorce, like on her birthday in 2013, um, job was the job struggles were there. The contracts were there, everything else. The job was about to let go because they ran out of computers because they don't know how to count. Yay. Anyway, (laughs) so, so long story short, I'm like, I threatened my wife with divorce and I came home and then she spiritually kicked me in the, you know, where for like three hours and. All those things from when I talked about in the beginning of the podcast until now all came to me. And I'm like, this is a lot of stuff I need to go and deal with. And how much I was, I was gaslighting. I didn't realize I was verbally abusive. I brought all that toxicity from all those three things. And I really had to get a wake up call. And even though I accepted Christ, we still can be a-holes. If we don't uh-huh. learn to actually walk it out, that, that's why a lot of people go over and get scared of Christians is because we're being hypocrites. We, we say yeah. we have it but we're not living it transformerly out. So then people get creeped out and then they say, oh, we don't need religions. We don't need politics. We don't need whatever. No, what we really need is just transformation in our lives, but we need to live that out. Even if you have a faith in Christianity or faith or wherever, it's transformation out. Because if you don't have it, there's no point. Because I could be the best, I could be the worst Christian. I could be the best agnostic. If there's no transformation, there's no point. So that's where that mess inventory came in the mental, emotional, social, and mm-hmm. spiritual, and actually sexual if you're married, because that carries a, a yeah. picture in that too. So I had to really start wrestling with a lot of those questions. And I really had to dive deep and had to work everything kind of backwards in a sense, because sure. our society doesn't do that. Hey, let's get our career right and get to like a hundred, $150,000. And then I'll spend more time in my family and then I'll have a better marriage and we'll do better things. And because money is going to solve that problem. I'm like, Money can solve a lot of problems, but doesn't solve your heart issues. So if you you can be righteous and rich, you can be you can be unrighteous and rich. You can be righteous and poor, and you can be unrighteous and poor. So it doesn't matter. That's why you mm-hmm. see most people if they get to like they, they hit the lotto, if their heart and mind and soul is not ready for it, you just see the money blow, and then five to seven years later they're back to where they started because mm-hmm. they weren't working through their mess. So I really had to do that deep dive inventory to go and say. What mental junk do I have in my head? What emotional baggage am I carrying? What socially am I bringing to the table? Uh, am I spiritually living out what I'm called to live out and what I'm seeing myself? If I'm calling myself a Christian, am I truly living in that out or am I just putting on a facade? And sexually, am I carrying that into the bedroom and I'm not being the person that she needs in that space or if you're, if you're a woman for his space or whatever. So it, it took about five years but even with the struggles of almost homeless and everything else, we have a thriving marriage. We've moved 36 times in 39 years with the, her and the family. It's been 12 to 15. And then I had 20 moves myself. But even in all those moves and all those chaos and everything else, and even with some of the struggles we have today with our kids, we're still a connected, beautiful family. And now we're starting to see how to practically live that out. So, so that's my summary. Daniel, I'm so glad you are on here today. You know, like it just goes to show like you can't judge a book by its cover. And not that I was like totally judging you, but like, you know, I see like IT guy and like you have no idea that you're about to bring all this to the table and give like the listeners exactly what I want for them to get from 
celebrate the struggle. And that is like, you just brought so much honesty and vulnerability and like how beautiful it is to look back on these defining moments where you, you really self-reflected and got very mindful and in touch with yourself. But I love that. Oh, there's just so much like there at the end, you're saying, you know, like you and your family, you're thriving. And although you've moved, what, like 27, you know, like majority over eight, 75% of the years that you've been together, you're still thriving. And so that's so good to like tell people because other people, you know, like all of our lives are totally different and they might be spinning and you might feel like you're spinning plates and clearly you can still thrive even if it, it hasn't been this perfect little picture like this hasn't been a perfect picture for you like I've been mind blown from the minute you said seven or eight years old you know like or nine to 15 that time period is such um a crucial time in anyone's life and like that's when of course you were matured by the time you got married because you hadn't dealt with all this because during the time of like being able to grow and mold into you know uh, I don't even know like a human being like you were hit with so much trauma that most people don't ever experience and and again, thank you for being honest about the sexual trauma and you bring an, uh, you bring up something that other people have told me and that I have experienced myself in, and that is not remembering that trauma until boom, you're an adult, something happens and all of a sudden there it is. And, and then just having to like deal with it, bring it to the surface deal with it and identifying that you're being a jerk at your house and you're the, you know, yelling and, and, you know, bringing that to the bedroom, like, holy moly, how much self-reflection and growth you have gone through. So you truly, truly have, what a phenomenal story. And, and I don't say that like, you know, like, like, oh, it's a compliment, like, oh, phenomenal story, but like, you have such a testimony, and you, and you persevered, and you're here, like, in this moment, sharing this with other people, like, I, I have, I read in the book, um, Struggle Well, Thriving in the Aftermath of Trauma by Ken Falk and Josh Goldberg, there was this study done on POW, uh, prisoners of war and they followed them and other people that were not prisoners of war after, um, I think the Vietnam war, I don't quote me on that. And, uh, when you looked at the prisoners of war versus those that were not the prisoners of war had actually like thrived more in life, having valued relationships more having just being more in touch whether with their spirituality whether you call it anything you want um and then just uh having hope for the future and then two other things that don't come to mind and so your story reminds me of that like the hardest like prisoner of these these circumstances which is life and so there's other people who are going to be listening that have had trauma like this and and 
Wow. Thank you for sharing all that with us. So, so I know that you are serving others through, you know, being a computer nerd. No, I'm just kidding. But through IT, uh, but how else are you, you know, because clearly you're not walking around the barracks preaching anymore. Um, how else are you serving other people? Because clearly, like, you seem to be someone who's trying to do that. You're on here sharing these words and they're so powerful. So what are your hopes and dreams and goals? What are you doing? So how we go over and serve is actually through three formats. Um, we first start out with learn and live. It's like a micro podcast, five minutes, just quick tips and things of that nature. That's for any community, a person that wants to just not live and learn. Because when we live and learn, we hit the wall. I burn myself on the stove. Someone told you not to touch the stove. Let's stop touching the stove. <laughs> so we're trying to help you learn and live from the wisdom that we've gotten and whatnot. Instead of just waiting and saying like, I just need to, I need to, live, and, uh, need to live and learn. I'm like, okay, I need to smack myself in the face. Why? 10,000 people already done it. Let's stop it. So that's, that's one way. Then we, on Padopolo, we have a deeper podcast for specifically military veterans and first responders called War Hero to Superhero. It helps military veterans, first responders transform their lives from the bedroom to the boardroom because that's we had to do ourselves. And instead of trying to transform it backwards, you should be transforming your bedroom, which overflows into your living room and your kids and people that are living in your home into then your boardroom. And we talk about that in different books that we go over and published and broke that down into like a podcast that we do. And each week has a theme. We go into the bedroom week one, week two is the living room, week three is the boardroom. And then we interview people that made that war hero to superhero transformation. And now in 2022 with Legrity, uh, I have my own show. It was War Hero to Superhero. You can still watch the older episodes. That really deep dives deep into those lessons because we do three like lunch lessons when you're going to War Hero to Superhero on the podcast. But the digital TV show is more like Thanksgiving dinner. You're really getting a lot. So be prepared mm -hmm. if you're going to go on there. Um, but we're transforming the message actually a little bit better to give you like a breakfast, lunch, dinner. So learn and live is like breakfast, light stuff. You know, War Hero Superhero is going to be a little heavier lunch, but the dinner meal is going to be, it's going to be changing its name to Impact to Different. And I'm still working with the name, but what we're going to go over and do is give that transformational wisdom and record that and see that transformational wisdom in military veterans first responders. So I'm actually advocating and looking for military veterans first responders that want that transformation for free so we can show that transformation to others. So we yeah. would go over and do those consultative services either virtually or in person. And then we would ask, could we record the journey with you? So that's the goal in 2022 is to go over and do that because you can't give people transformation if they're not seeing transformation. So that's, I'm trying to make the digital TV show more impactful. So that's what we're going over and doing. And then we do work with veteran nonprofits. Like I'm doing a give-a-thon on the 16th of December with Project Die Hard. Um, going over and doing a bunch of different things. And we help others that have that positive message, take it out to the global community through Legrity. So I'm an IT geek because it serves the people. But my heart and goal is actually transform your life because IT is easy to transform. Fix this, delete this, you know, do this, do that. Yeah, at the end of the day, you can fix it over and over again. But if your soul and your heart and your mind is jacked up and we can help you go over and thrive with that, the IT stuff's easy. Nice. You nailed it on that. That was perfect. And now I had a brain fart and forgot what I was about to say. Uh, oh, 
Yes. So all of this that you are saying, I'm going to put into the show notes. But if somebody is listening right now and forgets to go back to the show notes because they want to take a look at these things, is there any one specific spot where they could stalk you and end up like finding out about all this information? Like, do you have a certain social platform that people can find and be able to get plugged into these things if they if they didn't look at the show notes? I mean, there's two locations they can cyber stalk me. Facebook, Daniel Faust, that's where most of the stuff's going to be posted for right now. Um, in 2022, most place to get most of that information is going to be the, the app Podopolo because Legrity, even though that's my main bread and butter of the digital TV show, Podopolo allows you to go over and deep dive and connect with me and then the groups that we will go over and form and different things of nature. And Podopolo is P-O-D-O-P-L-L-O. So uh, it's a brand new dynamic interactive podcasting app that helps you as a podcaster actually make revenue because 80% of podcasters are broke mm-hmm. and we pay it out of our pockets, but people are wanting to sponsor that. And as the digital infrastructure and age is changing, uh, Melinda Whitstock, which I've been a friend of her for about a year and a half. She's the founder of the business. I've been on the beta test. That's where we're going to plant most of us at home right now. So Legrity is the place I want you to watch our content. But if you really want to connect with me, Podopolo is going to be the main source. I'm really migrating everything over there as a tribe. So if you find Daniel Faust and Podopolo, take those two things together, you'll be able to find everything else and you can trace the roots to every other place that we're at. Fantastic. Wow. Your story is incredible. I can't wait to see what 2022 looks like for you. Be sure to check out the show notes, everyone, so that you can virtually stalk Daniel and see um, Padopolo start to take shape. And the uh, uh, those of you that are and curious about this opportunity at the transformation, getting it um, for the chance to get it for free and be a be a testimony for people in the future. Daniel, thanks for being on here today. Thank you. Like I I could sit here and say it would be so inappropriate to be like, congratulations, like on making it through life. I can't even find the words to just say like, I guess what I want to say is I admire you. I admire you, your story, your strength, your vulnerability. And, um, I look forward to, I'm glad we, we got in touch and I look forward to seeing where um, your testimony continues to take you, your trials and testimony. So thanks again for being on here. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for your time. You have a great day. I shall. Ciao.